Please be seated. It is a somewhat abrupt transition from the traditional Christmas narrative to the first chapter of John's Gospel, as the evangelist explains how Christ came to be. It is poetic, it's slightly esoteric, and it's an account of the beginning. The closest we get to, in John's Gospel to the birth of Jesus is, and the word became flesh and lived among us. These verses we just heard are often called the Logos hymn, Greek for word. They're part, it's part poem, part narrative. It describes in lovely meditative language that Christ is the Son of God, that Christ was present at the beginning of creation, begetting the world, lighting the world, and fulfilling the law of Moses with grace and truth. We're moving away from the manger and the barn and the tactical world, and we're being catapulted into this cosmic dimension with God and Jesus, who existed before time itself. He existed in our own time, and he goes on to exist at the end of time. A trifold Christology. Creation and salvation are intimately connected in John's world. Grace upon grace, John says. And while this account seems more abstract than the Christmas narratives of Matthew and Luke, we're actually pretty familiar with the origins of things according to cosmological principles. Our own creation stories in Holy Scripture bore remarkable resemblance to primeval myths about how the world came to be. Light and dark, up and down, the earth as a realm that pushes out evil, which is trying to assault it. Even the idea of heaven being up has its roots in primeval history. And we grow up hearing fables about how things came to be, the origins of things. Why is the sky blue? Why giraffes have long necks? Why do spiders have eight legs? Often these stories are not scientific, but they serve a different purpose, which is to engage the curious parts of our brains, to imagine and to wonder. And so when we wonder about how Jesus came to be, it isn't so crazy to try and actualize our theology in both the real material world of the manger and in a larger fantastical sense of Christ as Logos. We need both kinds of gospel accounts. When I try to reconcile the realities of both our physical world and the complexity of the unknown, I'm reminded of one of my favorite novels. Now, I know that there are many uh, Russian linguists or former Russian linguists in this congregation. Uh, so perhaps they are particularly familiar with the classic Russian novel, The Master and Margarita, by Mikhail Bogokov. In this novel, two worlds are superimposed on top one another. One world is 1950s Moscow, and the second is Jerusalem in the year 33 of the Common Era. In the first story in Moscow, the devil himself visits the city with a retinue of henchmen wreaking havoc on everybody, exposing human selfishness, vanity, and empty wealth that was commonly seen in the Soviet elite during the time of Joseph Stalin. I know it doesn't sound like it, but this is actually a funny book. It parodies those who will do anything to get ahead while also asking serious moral questions. 
And while we read about the devil, we're sometimes brought back in time, back to Jerusalem. And when we're there, we're overhearing a conversation between Pontius Pilate and Jesus right before the crucifixion. Who are you? Pilate wants to know. What follows is a conversation about authority, oppression, God, and faith. This character of Jesus says, all authority is violence over people. And a time will come when there will be no authorities of the Caesars, nor any other authority. Man will pass on into the kingdom of truth and justice. Now, of course, this is not a canonical Christ, but is a representation of what Christ's sacrifice and salvation can offer a world that is so broken. Bulgakov makes it very clear that such a kingdom had not yet come to pass when he wrote that book. But he also said that salvation, peace, eternal rest is still possible for those who can resist the temptations of the material world and live without, with selflessness and altruism. This would have been a radical message in his context. And it is the imaginative elements of the story, the magic, the fantasy, the humor, that do all of the heavy lifting in this book. It reminds us that sometimes we need to engage with a particular part of our brain that's curious and playful. Thinking about Jesus, the word, the logos, requires us to engage our imaginations, to try and think about our world differently. Our world is one that connects to the fantastic, the magical, the supernatural, the one that can actually entertain the idea of God coming to earth as an infant, one that can hold the idea of a kingdom of justice and truth. Christmas is the perfect time to contemplate such things, to look around us for signs that something unbelievable could be unfolding and think that maybe there are forces of goodness working in and around us all the time from places we don't know, from a realm we don't know. And so though we draw comfort and familiarity with the geographic place the Christ child was born in Bethlehem, John's gospel draws us outwards, expands. Because with John, we start at the beginning. In the beginning was the word. The beginning of what we have yet to fully see, I believe. But at Christmas, we are reminded that it is the beginning of something really, really good. In the name of God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer.